Hey, listen, it feels a little bit, if it feels a little bit uncomfortable, like, gosh, there's a lot of people, and I got people sitting next to me, and man, for COVID, I didn't have to sit next to a lot of people, and it's like, there's, oh, it feels like there's a lot of people in here. Just do me a favor, wait a few weeks, it'll probably thin out. So anyways, <laughs> sorry, sorry, just trying to light the mood, but uh, hey, I want to welcome you to X Church. My name's Tim, I'm the lead pastor here, and today we're kicking off a brand new series called It's Complicated. And I think we probably all can recognize that over the last few years, the, the conversation that's been happening in our culture, let's just say it's, it's complicated. And so I, I felt like, hey, what it would look like for us as a community to wrestle with some of these really important conversations that are happening right now in our culture. And so that's what we're gonna do for the next six weeks. In fact, I'm gonna give you, just up front, we're gonna dive right in. I wanna show you some of the topics that we're gonna talk about over the next six weeks. Let me put them up. Here's the topics that we're gonna address. We're gonna talk about politics, abortion, racism, sexuality, and gender identity. Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, those are some pretty easy topics to talk about. I wonder why you picked those. I think we all, can we all just agree that, the, that um, these, are, these are kind of complicated matters, aren't they? Th these are highly volatile things that are being talked about right now in our culture. And so I can imagine if you're sitting there and you've been hearing about this series, you're probably thinking this. Why are we doing this series? Maybe some part of you is excited and some of you are like nervous. And you're going, Why? Are we doing this series? Let me, let me tell you why we're doing this series. Because if I could just be real honest, I'm going to be real raw today, okay? If there's any series that I have not wanted to preach more, it's this one. So if you're like, man, I, I, I didn't want to hear this. Well, we're in the same boat, okay? If there's any a, a series that I have not wanted to preach more, I'm just telling you right now, it is this one, okay? In fact, I just want to be honest and say, some of these subjects I have kind of like distanced myself from over the last couple of years. I've kind of avoided talking about them for the last couple of years. Let me tell you why that is. I don't know if any of you remember 2020 as vividly as I do, but it was like a bomb went off. You remember that? I want you to think about what happened in 2020, right? We had a pandemic, okay, that we had a pandemic that started. We had a civil rights movement that happened. We had a highly controversial election that happened. And oh, by the way, if we could just extend the, the new year by six days, we might as well just throw in the Capitol riot that happened as well. All of that happened in one year, okay? And some major things happened in our culture and our society and you know what, can I just tell you what I learned? In fact, as a pastor, and, and I wanna say this, not just me, but I think civic leaders and um, business leaders and church leaders, we all learned some lessons. We all learned some lessons from 2020. Let, let me, I wrote down a few of the lessons that I learned in 2020. Um, I learned this, no matter what I say, it's going to be wrong or taken wrong. I learned that in 2020. I learned that to address complicated matters in simple social media posts or statements tends to be taken as political maneuvering, even if meant with the best intentions. I, I found that. I learned that. These are lessons I learned. Just me. I learned. Um, I learned this. If you say something that doesn't fit with the cultural, the cultural narrative, you may be canceled. Yep, learned that. I also learned this. If you say too little, people will assume the worst. I also learned, if you say too much, people assume you're the worst. <laughs> it's just a few of the lessons that I learned over 2020. And 
Can I just say, like, like many pastors, here's what we felt. We felt this pressure in all of this cultural hot box that we found ourselves in. We felt this pressure that everybody, even within the church, like, pastor, say something, post something, make a stand, stand up, you know, when are we gonna stand up for these issues and this and this political, come on, make us. And you know what I found is that whenever people want me as a leader or a pastor to make a stance, what they're really saying is I want you to make my stance. I want you to say something until I say something that's not your view. You're like, oh, no, you don't need to say anything, pastor. That's good. No, no, we're good, you know. And so there's all this pressure around it. So now, I know the obvious uh, follow-up question that you're thinking right now. I just know. Well, then why are you addressing them now? That's a great question. Why am I addressing these things? Let me give you a couple reasons why I finally felt like it's time to address them. Uh, number one, let me just say time. Sometimes time is helpful. There's a massive pressure to say something right away anytime something happens. And I have found that, that these are really complicated matters I don't know that I'm always prepared to just say something. And so time helps. Let me say, time also can heal. Time helps with something. Because I'll just be honest with you, I was carrying some like real emotional baggage from 2020. Okay, there's a lot of real painful things that leaders, pastors, in the church community went through. And so I needed to get a little bit of space to breathe. I needed a little bit of room to gain some perspective. So I think time, things have settled out. Okay, I'm going to schedule this, and we're going to talk about it on our own timetable. So that it's not like, oh, you're making a political statement. No, I just want to talk about these things. So I think time is, is one of the reasons. But if I could just say another reason why this has kind of been pressing on my heart. It's one of the things I, I love about our community is that it's very diverse when it comes to faith. Like our, our, our church community kind of spans from people who, who are pre-faith, I like to say that, you're not sure what you believe and maybe you're, you're not even convinced there is a God. I love it that you're here. All the way to people who've been like following Jesus for maybe 40 or 50 years. But what we have a lot of, if I could just say, in our community are a lot of people that maybe just started to follow Jesus in the last year, two years, three years, five years. And what I've noticed in pastoring a church that has a really like wide spectrum of people in faith is I've noticed, especially people that are newer to following Jesus, is that most of them have, and I want to say this as nice as I can because this is really many of you, I just want to say this, have actually been discipled and formed by your culture for 20, 30, or 40 years rather than being discipled or formed by the Bible. I just want to say that. And that's not a knock. That's reality. There are a lot of people in Journey that you've spent years getting a worldview that was inspired by all the voices you heard in culture, but very little actually came from Scripture. And so I, I felt the weight, if I could just be honest, I felt the weight as a pastor. This is, I feel like my role is to help us as a community walk through Scripture and say, what does Scripture say about this so that you can process on your own. Here's what I know, and this is where I really felt, started to feel convicted. If I do not show you what scripture says about these issues, the culture will disciple you, and I will be responsible for God for what, how I lead this community. And so I, I felt, okay, God, I guess I'm gonna have to. I don't want to, but I'm gonna have to walk through these things. And so that's kind of the approach. I want you to hear that as we kind of dive into this is why I'm addressing. If you're like, I just don't, I just like, can we just keep the peace? Why do we have to talk about these? Well, I just expressed to you why I felt the need to do that. Now, before we jump into this, I've got three questions that I wanna ask you. 
Three questions I want you to think, and then I'm going to share a brief little message. Today is an intro, okay? Today is just a setup. So if you're wondering, what are we hitting today? Uh, we're not, but we're going to prepare. And let me just say, if you know someone who missed this week, you don't catch us online, you tell them before they come back any other week, they need to watch this. This message is very important for the groundwork for you to hear my heart and to hear how we're going to approach this, okay? It's really important. Uh, first question I want to ask you is this. Will you extend grace to me as we navigate these complicated issues? Yes or no? Okay, that's good. I just, I just had to ask that up front, okay? I, I really do ask for some grace. If you think, man, I just, if pastor would give me the microphone, but I tell you, let me get up. I got a few things to say. If you think this is easy, I'll gladly let somebody else, if you want to jump up here. If you think it's easy to have something that you say in, in, in a moment like this recorded and captured and stuck on the internet for all the rest of time, okay, it, it's not so easy. And I'm not saying that to get your pity. I love what I do. I feel called to do this, okay. But what I am asking for is some grace to do this. And here's what I want you to hear when I ask for grace. Um, I want you to hear this. I don't have the last word on all of these subjects. Please hear me, I'm not an expert. My job is to help pastor people and to understand God's word to the best of my ability and to help us walk through it together. And so I wanna say I'm not like the, the expert voice when it comes to abortion, when it comes to racism, I'm not, okay? And I don't have the final word on these things. And so give me some grace in that. And secondly, I also wanna say this, I reserve the right to be wrong. Wouldn't it be great if we all said that? But I want you to hear this. I reserve the right to be wrong. Because you know what I've discovered just even my own journey in maturation, because I'm still growing in what it means to know Christ and to understand his word, is what I've discovered is, on, on, I'm gonna say on several of these topics that we're gonna discuss, uh, my view and perspective has shifted significantly in the last five years. Now that doesn't mean my theological position has necessarily changed on them all. But the way I see them, the way I talk about them, the way I approach them, the way I, I see the people and not a position, the way has changed dramatically. And so I just, I ask for grace and I, and I want to just say, I, I reserve the right to be wrong. There's times where I may, I may get it wrong. And if so, I will be the first to say, you know, I think I got that wrong. I really will. And so I, I just ask for grace. Now, that, that one was about me. These next two are about you. Let me ask this question. Okay, how will you respond when you get offended? I want us all just to do a little exercise here. We're going to get started. I want you all to repeat after me, okay? Everybody say, I may get offended. Okay, let's do it again. I may get offended. Now I want you to say this. I won't stay offended. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm proud of you. That's good. I'm saying this. Listen, I want to just say this up front. There is a very, very good chance that I will offend you at some point over the next six weeks. I think it's a very good chance. There is a very good likelihood, if I, maybe I won't offend you, but I'll irritate you. I'm gonna say something that's gonna annoy you because what you're gonna hear is potentially is you may hear something that doesn't line up with your political, cultural, or scriptural view. And, and I think the question we all need to ask is, how will I respond when I get offended? Okay, I think it's an important question. Now let me just go ahead and say this up front. My goal in this entire series, I want you to hear this. My goal is not to cause controversy. That's not my goal. That's not my heart. 
My goal, my heart, is not to, oh, I want to offend you. Like, I, I do really think that there are some, there's not a lot, there are some pastors I think love saying provocative things. They lo- it's like sound bites, and they just, it gets a lot of views. Can I just tell you, I want no views, all right? I, I just want you to hear my heart. Like, 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 I am not about controversy. I don't even love conflict. Uh, um, in fact, one of the reasons why I've avoided having this conversation is because my heart is, ins- I don't want to cause conflict. I'm the kind of guy that's like, I want to be liked. And I know that doesn't always go with the job, the role that I have. But, but so I, I want to just address up front, there's a very good likelihood that you may get offended at some point. I'm asking you, how will you respond when you get offended? And my hope is not just to say something offensive for, to be offensive and to be, that's not what I'm trying to do, okay? But here's what I do know. I know it's very possible, it's not just what I say, but what scripture says may offend you. You know, Jesus, he told his disciples, he said, guys, you need to understand, the world's offended by me. In fact, he said it this way, the world hates me. He said, if you're gonna follow me, the world might hate you too. Sometimes the gospel is offensive. And I, I don't want it to be offensive, but sometimes just understanding scripture is offensive. So I guess we need to wrestle with that question. I wanna ask you, how will you respond when you get offended? I, here's my hope and prayer, that we can live in community and not stay offended. That, that's my hope, that's my hope, okay? Then, then the, the last question I wanna ask you is this. They can put it up. How will you respond if your view conflicts with scripture? That's a great question. What are you gonna do if your view that you've held for maybe 10, 20 years, or maybe it's a new view, what if it conflicts with scripture? I think that's a really good question. And I think there's one of two responses that we tend to have, and this is just in general, There's one or two responses. I think one of them is hostility. I think sometimes we respond when scripture says something that we don't like with hostility. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, sometimes our posture is that we will just run. I'll run. I just, I'll go find me a church where the pastor believes what I believe about this. By the way, let me just say this. You could go find a church, I promise you, because every church exists. You could go find a church where maybe the pastor and maybe, maybe you, you know, they worked it all out where it, it, they believe what you believe about one topic. You could go find that because it does exist. But I promise you, you stay there long enough, you're gonna find something else that you and the pastor and the Bible don't agree on. I just promise you. And I think it actually is a sign of immaturity. I don't mean to be offensive yet, but I'm a sign to be immature to run whenever you are challenged. That's immature. When you run, whenever you're challenged, by the way, you'll never grow. Because why iron sharpens iron? If you want to grow in your life in faith as a human, as a follower of Jesus, you are going to have to be okay with being challenged at times by Scripture. And to run away is never a a way to grow. I think in hostility, we can either run or sometimes we just have an arrogant posture. An arrogant posture says, I don't care what the Bible says. I, I, my mind is made up. And I, hey, listen, I can respect that if, you, if your mind's made up about something. I will respect that we can be a community together. Um, I just, I personally don't ever wanna take that posture toward God's word. That's me. I don't want to. And so, so I, I, we could respond to hostility or here's another way to respond, humility. Humility asks this question. Could I be wrong? I think our world would look a whole lot different right now if everybody would stop and pause and say, could I be wrong about this? 
Everything I've been posting about and yelling about and fighting with everybody at work, could I be wrong? Could I be wrong about this? Because here's what I want. When I, my view comes in conflict with Scripture, there really is only one of two things. Either I just will say, nope, and I'm going to hold on to my view, or here's what Scripture says, or we do something called repent. You know the word repent? Sometimes we hear that word and we think, oh, i got to blubber all over the floor and weep and cry because I'm just, no. The word repent literally just means to change your mind. And the question is, when we are confronted with God's word, what will we do if it conflicts with the view that we've held? And, and that's up for you and for you to decide, okay? But, but as we walk through this, let me just share with you what my approach is as I talk about scripture. What, what is my approach as we walk through this? Here's what we're gonna do on Sundays is that we're gonna take and we're gonna open the Bible and I'm gonna ask this question. What does the Bible say about politics? What does the Bible say about abortion? What does the Bible say about racism? What does the Bible say about sexuality? What does the Bible say about transgenderism or gender identity? What does the Bible say about, listen, here's not, this is my goal. I know it's hard because I'm up here and it's my words and my filter, but what my hope is is not to get up here and say, what does Tim say about this? You don't need what Tim thinks about this. What, what we need as a community is we need to know what God's word says about this. And so I need you to hear on Sunday when we get together in this moment is my approach is not like what's culturally popular. My approach is what's going to get a lot of likes. My approach is not what's going to be real like, you know, um, you know, accepted today. No, my approach is simply going to be what does the Bible say about this? And I, I need you to understand that in 40 or more minutes, um, I am not going to be able to exhaustively talk about these very complicated matters. There's a reason why there's still people fighting over all these subjects in our culture today. So I, I need, this is where I need your grace. I can't in so much time. Now, I will say up front, these messages are going to be longer. We are going to modify the experience, and they are going to be longer. But please, there are books by experts written on these topics and, and, and I cannot exhaustively address every single one of your questions, your concerns, your challenges. I can't do that on a Sunday. So here's my goal on Sunday, is to simply open up Scripture and say, what does the Bible say about this? Now, I, I do know that you're probably going to have all these questions. You're going to have all these challenges. You say, what about that verse, Pastor? You didn't mention that verse, and that verse seems to be... Well, what about in, in our country? Don't you think that our, our government should... You're going to have all these questions. I get it. I really do. Um, my hope is that on Sunday, we're gonna learn to think biblically, but I also know that we need to extend these conversations. And so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, how many of you have ever watched or listened to the X podcast? Raise your hand if you've watched or listened to the X podcast. Okay, there's a lot of you that you're going to. I promise. Over these next six weeks, you're going to. So here's what we're gonna do. Over the next six weeks, after each week's message, we're going to sit down on the podcast for as long as we need, and we're going to address your questions, your concerns, or other things that we can help us think critically. I want to learn to think biblically, but I also want to learn to think critically about these things. And so here's what you can do. I want you, maybe you need to write this down right now, but you can submit questions to podcast at the x.church. All right, what is the email address? Let's all say it out loud. It is podcast at the x.com. Not .net, not .org. Podcast at the x.church. Some of you need to write that down. We'll make it available. You'll see it in emails, all this stuff. If you have a question, you have a challenge, you have a concern, you have a response, you have a reaction, send them in. We're good with that. 
by the middle of the week, we're recording them. So don't send them in on Thursday or Friday. And then each Friday, we're going to release an episode, and it might be an hour, it could be two hours long, where we're going to pick up the conversation, and we're going to actually, that's where we'll think critically. We'll talk, so if we're going to say, what does the Bible say about abortion? Okay, but how does that play out in this realm? What about in our society? What about our culture? What about our government doing this? Should they, shouldn't? Okay, we're going we're to dive into those, okay? And so we, we want to have a conversation. These are complicated matters. We're going to have grace. We're going to walk through and their conversation. Now, with that, we also at times, and I will at times in some of these messages, I will talk about some resources of some books. And um, I've been preparing for this, kind of like I did Origins, not quite to that extent, but I've read several books a lot of our pastors have that deal with a lot of these topics. And so um, from time to time in the messages, I'm going to say, hey, listen, if you would like to dive deeper into this, if you want to, you feel challenged by it, we're going to say, Here's a book, here's two books, here's books of different sides. You can go and read them on your own, okay? I, we're gonna do that. I wanna give you some resources where you can do it. Here's what I say, if you feel challenged in area, you're like, oh, I don't like that. That challenged me. And we give a resource, why not go read it, okay? And I wanna flip this. If you wanna challenge me, I'm gonna ask, like, you ought to read a book first. I read the Bible, so did I. That's not gonna be enough, okay? And so if you're like, I feel challenged, or I want to challenge this, I'm going to at least go, hey, have you ever read this book or this book on it? These are differing views. I've read them. Let's talk about them, okay? And so I'm going to try to offer resources to kind of help us to go through this together. Now, today, um, I want to address what feels like the elephant in the room when it comes to what it's like for us to live in this time. I don't know if any of you feel like this, but I feel like we are living at war. I don't know if there's maybe another word to define it, but does any of you ever feel like, it feels like we're at war? It really does. Um, it feels like in many ways um, that I hear there's so much fighting and there's this war language. And I, I was thinking about it and how, you know, honestly, for most of my entire life, I, I've heard nothing but war. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you maybe not, but for mine, like when I grew up, okay, uh, you know what war I heard about all the time? It was the Cold War. I don't know if any of you were around for the Cold War. It was us and Russia. And in any moment, it felt like there could be paratroopers from Russia that would descend on America. They made movies about it. Red Dawn, anybody? Okay. And, and, and so here's what it felt like. It felt like growing up, it was like all I heard was we could be at war at any moment, right? And so we grew up and there was a Cold War. And then after that, I remember being in Germany. I was with the military at the time. I wasn't, but my family was. When all of a sudden we went to war, there's Desert Shield, there's Desert Storm. And so all through the 90s, it was like all I heard about was war. And then what happened in 2001, right, 9-11, is that war came to our soil and we were attacked and all of a sudden the enemy changed and then it was a terrorist or terrorist groups and then we went over to the Middle East because you know I, there were weapons of mass destruction then there weren't but then I don't know but we're over there fighting and then that extended to Afghanistan and then we were in Afghanistan for 20 years I was thinking about it how like my entire life all I've really been exposed to is war not not me personally and those of you that have fought in war I don't even want to compare that's not but I'm just saying as a culture, it feels like we've grown up with war. But if I could tell you, it feels different. Right now it feels different. It, it really does um, feel a little bit different because here's what it is. We're, we're, we're not dealing with a cold war. We're not dealing with a civil war. But what we are dealing with is a culture war. We all agree? It's a culture war right now. You and I have been thrust into the middle of a culture war. And... Um, 
here's the challenging thing about a culture war versus all those other wars I mentioned. It was really easy to identify your enemy in the other wars. Russia was our enemy, right? Okay, we went over to Saddam Hussein was our enemy. Osama bin Laden was our enemy. The Taliban was our enemy. It was easy to identify. Our, and, and here's what's really challenging about a culture war, right? It's not like, you know, it's not, there's no patches on the arm. It's not North versus South, Confederate versus Union. It's not, it's, it's really challenging because it, this one is a little, it's like the person you're sitting in the row with could be your enemy. It's, um, what is it today? It's conservative versus liberal. It's Fox versus CNN. I mean, it's just funny, right? It could be the, your neighbor. Oh, I can't believe they voted that way. My enemy, you know, what they believe. It, it could be your coworker. It could be your classmate. Let's be honest. Like, it's really hard to identify who our enemy is in a culture war, but I don't know if you feel this way, but I do, even as a Christ follower. It feels like right now we're in a fight over the future of our country. That's what it feels like to me. That's the language I hear. That's the heightened awareness. That's the, the intensity of our conversations. Is that we are in a fight over the future of our country, and here's what it feels like to me. I feel pressure to take a side. What side are you on? Is it Democrat? Is it Republican? Is it conservative? Is it this? Is it you're going to stand with people? Or are you going to are you standing with the race and, 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 for, and what's going on in the black community? Are you standing with the police? Are we saying like it's all of these in these conversations? And it's like I feel this massive pressure. I don't know if you do. Pick a side. What side are you on? And you know what I want to say as a follower of Jesus? Like, you know, most of us are, here's what we're all saying. We're, well, I'm on the side of Jesus. It's great. I'm on Jesus' side, right? It's us versus them. Jesus, us is in Jesus. It's us. I'm going to choose Jesus. Whatever side, I'm going to be on the side of Jesus. What if I just said something that might feel a little bit, like, difficult to swallow? But what if Jesus didn't choose a side? No, 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 Jesus surely would choose a side. I mean, Jesus is going to stand with the, what is righteous and what is true, what is moral, what is decent. Oh, okay, maybe. But what if Jesus didn't choose a side? Now, well, Jesus wasn't living in 2023. If Jesus was here in 2023, I bet he would choose a side. Yeah, because he didn't have to worry about choosing sides in his culture, did he? He didn't have any issues back then, did he? Yeah, yeah, right. You, you know what's interesting? Um, one of the reasons why the Jewish people missed Jesus coming as their Messiah is because they expected him to take their side. And when he didn't, they missed him. What side is Jesus? Okay, I'll give you an example. Can I just give, I want to give you some examples. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. What side does Jesus choose in this culture war? So feel pressure to take a side. Well, here's what Jesus said. Let me, let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew. This is Matthew 5. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. They do to us, we do to them. This is from the law, by the way. They're talking to the, the Old Testament law. He said, but I tell you, do not what an evil person. Say it out loud. Do not. Whoa. But, but that's them. And you don't understand they're 
politics and you don't understand their morals and they're amoral and they're, no, Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. In fact, he said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Oh gosh, no, let's not do that. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, well, hand over your coat as well. Or I like this one. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them. How many? Oh, come on. This is, it would be so much easier if Jesus would just pick a side. If you think Jesus didn't have to be thrust into a little bit of a war, then you, you probably don't know your um, ancient history very well. Jesus actually lived in a time where the, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, were living under the oppression of the Romans. You know what they were hoping for? That the Messiah would come and cause a revolt and, and let them be free. That's what they were hoping for. And then Jesus shows up, the one that they're hopeful because he's doing miracles, and then he starts saying things like that. By the way, um, if, I think sometimes we hear this and it's like, so if someone strikes you on one cheek, then turn and give them the other. And, you know, we've kind of put that in our context. If we get into a little squabble with somebody and they swing at you and maybe they hit you a little bit or whatever, it's, I guess it just means don't swing back yet. Let them get one more attempt and dodge it a little bit. And then you can, and, you know, and we put our own spin on this, this passage, yeah. But do you know how shocking this passage would have been to the people in Jesus' day? Now, okay, this whole idea about walking going with people for two miles. Cyrus the Great, who was the king of Persia, before the Romans took over, the Persians, okay, controlled this area. He came up with this idea, this plan. They, they created a mail delivery system. It's fascinating. They came up with a way that we're gonna deliver mail throughout the kingdom. And uh, Cyrus created this rule that said that if someone who's carrying the mail, okay, all the physical mail that's heavy to that they could ask any of the citizens, any of the people in the Persian kingdom to help them carry the mail one mile. One mile. So they don't have to bear the weight of it by themselves. You know when the Romans took over? The Romans said, that's a great idea. And they adopted it, and they actually applied it for the military. And so here's what the Romans said. The Romans said, uh, the, the military, okay, the men, most of them carried like equipment and supplies they're rush sacks that we would say today that would sometimes weigh up to 65 pounds. And the Romans had a rule. Their rule was that you could see anybody, especially the people you oppressed, and if you did not want to carry it all, you were allowed by law to ask them, force them to carry it one mile for you. Now listen, you couldn't go more than a mile because they felt like that was inhumane. But you could carry it one mile. And they actually had markers on the road, kind of like we have mile markers, so that you didn't abuse it. Okay? So this is what, so here's what, a Roman soldier could see you as a Jewish man or woman and say, here, you got to carry this for a mile with me. But I, I was going over here to, nope, I'm going this direction, you got to go a mile with me. And so Jesus, in this context, they all knew what he was talking about. Jesus says, if they force you to go one mile, go two. Wait a minute, if I go two miles in the wrong direction, that's two miles back to where I start. That's four miles that you want me to go two of that carrying for our enemy. These are the things Jesus said. See, I think sometimes we miss how much shock there would have been. This was not a popular teaching. And Jesus knew that they would struggle with this. 
That's why a few words later, Jesus said this. Look at this next question. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to do what? Say this out loud, to love your, oh, you guys said that like you believe it. Let's do that again. But I tell you, do what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, if you want to be like God, you have to love your enemies. Love your enemies. Carry their heavy satchel an extra mile if they force you to go one mile. This is weird. This is not like, wait a minute, we're in a culture war and I wanna be on the side of Jesus. I'm gonna stand for what's right. And so Jesus is taking a side. I'm taking a side. And here's what I'm telling you. Jesus didn't take a side. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have truth. I'm saying Jesus didn't take sides. And we're thinking, this is what we're thinking. We're gonna win this war. We're gonna save our country. You know what Jesus cares more about than saving our country? Saving the people in our country. Oh, that's not popular. I already know. I think I just offended a few people. We'll talk about that when we do pay, uh, um, politics. Jesus cared more about saving people. And if you want to know um, what Jesus, if, he, if you were to ask Jesus, hey, pick a side, Jesus, you know what he would say? Okay, I choose the side of love. I choose the side of love. No, 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 but, but like when it comes to politics, Jesus is like, no, you gotta pick a side. Mm, no, I'm not picking one of those sides. They're ugly. I'm gonna choose, the, I'm gonna choose the side of love. If you're gonna, and here's what I want you to know, but, but, but how in the world are we gonna win this fight? Here's what I want you to know. Jesus won. I think we probably, if you're a believer in Jesus, you go, I think he won. Jesus won, listen, not by fighting, not by posting, not by yelling, not by screaming, not by picketing. Jesus won by losing. What do you mean? Okay, well, Jesus won by losing. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the cross. Anybody that would look at the story of Jesus, you would say he lost. He went to the cross. They took his life. This is the guy who came, right? He's gonna win. He's gonna save us, he's Messiah. And you know what they did when Jesus was on the cross, the people around him? They jeered at him. They yelled at him. They said, if you really are the son of God, if just you're who you say you are, you got the power, and come down off that cross. And can I tell you something? I believe Jesus had the power. Jesus said, I could call on legions of angels at any moment to rescue me. But Jesus understood something, a deeper truth. He understood that for him to get down off the cross, which he could have, would serve him in that moment, but it would not serve all of us for eternity. So what did Jesus decide to do? He decided to live in a way where he says, I'm not going to serve myself, but I'm going to serve humanity. I'm not going to serve myself, but I'm going to serve humanity, right? And, and listen, listen, Jesus cared more about winning the war for their soul than he did winning some type of political war. He really did. And I'm not saying that we're not in a fight, because we are in a fight. Listen to me. We're in a battle. We are in a battle. This culture war is real. It is a very real fight. 
the enemy might be different than you think. See, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. I love this. Put this verse. Put on all of God's armor. Sounds like a war. Sounds like a battle. So that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of who? Of the devil. Who are we fighting? Look at this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It's not my neighbor. It's not that person in a different political party. It's not that person with a liberal agenda. It's not that person who's got a conservative mindset. It's not. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul helped us understand, you're not my enemy. Don't care how you vote. You don't care how you live. You're not my enemy. We are living in a cultural war, and it is real, a culture war, but our enemy is not the person that is different than us, that looks different, is opposed to us. The enemy is the devil, and what he is doing is trying to create division. He's trying to pull apart. He's trying to rip us apart. So, so listen, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. So what am I, I'm not... We're not to fight, no, we are to fight, but we're not to fight against the very same people that God's called us to reach. In fact, let me, let me say it this way. We are not called, put this statement up, we are not called to win a war with our culture. Please hear me. But, but wait, 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 we're at war. We are not called to win a war with our culture, but rather, I want you to say this, we're called to win our culture. Do you understand the difference? We're not called to win a war with our culture. I know some of you right now, I can just, I can feel it. There's something inside of you that's like, you don't understand. I've been marching on the side of this, and I've been in this fight, culture war, and I post and I share videos all the time, and I just, I, I know, I know. I told you, it's, it's gonna be challenging. I know you have a view, and I know you, I believe everything. I understand that. But if we look at Jesus, we say, what side did Jesus, he, he didn't take a side. Jesus, I didn't come to win a culture war. I came to win the culture. I didn't come to fight against culture. I came to fight for culture. I came to fight for people. If you want to know what that looks like, I love how Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. I love this. This is in the message paraphrase. It's just beautiful. Just listen to this. Just receive this today. If, If there's a heart that I would love for our community to have, it might be the Apostle Paul right here. He said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, God set me free, I'm free of it. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to, check this out, reach a wide range of people. I, I'm becoming a servant to any and all. I wanna reach the religious. I wanna reach the non-religious. The meticulous, moralist, ooh, they're annoying, and the loose living immoralist. I wanna reach them all. I want the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, and I didn't take on their way of life. In other words, whoa, I'm not gonna go live like everybody else around, but I do have the heart, I wanna reach everyone around. I I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried, I love this, I love this, I wish we could maybe just underline this. I tried to experience things from their point of view. How do I love someone who's different? I try to experience it from their point of view. It's an arrogant person that says, I don't care what your experience is. It's a loving person that says, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. He said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Gosh, I love that. that. That's the heart 
that I would have for our community. I, I want to I I reach every person that doesn't know the love of Jesus Christ, and I want to introduce them to Jesus. And I know immediately what comes to our mind, we begin to push back. If you've been around church for any length of time, wait, what are you, what are you saying then? We're just supposed to love everybody and I'm supposed to let go of the truth? That's what we feel. Wait, wait, well, how am I supposed to just love everybody? And what about scripture and what about truth? No, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I would love it. Here's why. If we could just take on the same very nature of Jesus. Here's Jesus, John 1, 14. It's the last verse I got says the word, that was Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus joined us. He stepped into our world. He stepped into our mess. He said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. He was full of what? Would you say these out loud? He was full of grace and, let's say it again. He was full of grace and, this is Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. Can I just tell you, If you want to look like Jesus, live like Jesus, you're going to have to get into the tension of living with grace and truth. Can I just just tell you, there's gonna be some tense moments over the next six weeks. These conversations are gonna stir some tension in you. It might even stir up the thought of tension that you've had with family members friends and coworkers over some of these subjects. And there's a, there's a tension. I want you to hear me today. I am good with the tension. I would rather have tension than no tension. And here's why. A little, little picture for you. See, here's what I've found. Jesus was full of what? Grace and truth. Can you see this? He was full of grace and truth. I, I want to look like Jesus. So guess what that means? That means I'm going to have to live full of grace and truth. You know what I found in our culture today? It's a lot easier to live with just one. Hey, aren't we gonna be people of truth and we got word of God and And I just think we should just tell everybody like it is, truth. When you live to the extreme where all you know is truth, guess what? There's no tension. It's easy. All I have to do is post something, and all I have to do is share something, and all I have to just tell you is if you don't turn, you're going to burn. And if I just, it's easy. There's no tension. Right? Or we have people on the other side of the extreme. All grace. I just, we're just people of grace and it doesn't matter what you do and how you live and you know what, we got grace on grace on grace for you and you can just live life and let's just all get along and you just be you and you have your views and I'm my views and we're just, I'm just full of grace. You know what's nice about living in a world where we just have all grace? There's no tension. But we also don't have truth. And if there's something that we need to know from God's heart that actually would show us how to end up with him, I think that's important, don't you? You know what I would rather be? I'd rather be someone who's full of, of truth and grace. And here's what I've found. When you have truth, right? Truth will pull you in one direction. Truth, which I, I, I tell the culture, you know, how it is. But you know what grace does? 
Grace runs toward culture. And all of a sudden, when you live full of, they see Jesus, he was full of both. When you live full of them, let me just, there's gonna be tension. There's gonna be hard conversations. It's gonna be messy. I would rather have a messy church that we wrestle with these things in the truth of God's word and the grace that God gives us when we fall short of it and we're working through it and we're wrestling. I would rather be the kind of follower of Jesus and church that lives in the tension of grace and truth than pick one over the other. That's not the kind of church I wanna be. That's not the kind of person I wanna be. You might be okay with that. I wanna be all grace. That's fine, it'll be easier. I'm just gonna tell you right now, it'll be easier. But that's not who Jesus was. And so I want, I want our church to look like Jesus, full of grace and truth, amen? And so we're gonna have grace for each other in this season. We're not gonna fight. We're gonna, we're gonna take a heart that says, God, show me your word in these areas. If I'm wrong, then God, I'm going to submit to your authority in these areas, help me to change the way I am and the way I'm thinking and living. I wanna fall in alignment with who you are, but I want to operate and extend grace to those in our community that may not. If the church cannot figure out how to live in community with each other when we hold different views and we don't share it, how is the world ever gonna know what it looks like? And I think it's gotta start in the church, amen? So would you pray with me today? Let's just. Father, I, I pray right now for a supernatural grace to come over our church community. God, I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking for your hand to guide me as we unpack these things. But Lord, I know the reality of your word is that sometimes it confronts views that we hold. And that can be challenging because it's not just a view, but it's a person. There are people in our lives that we love dearly that maybe what they do or how they think or live might not align with your word and we feel stuck in the tension. God, I'm, I'm asking you to help me to live full of truth and grace. God, help me to know what it looks like to live in the tension and know that sometimes the tension is just not resolved. But God, show us who you are in this series. Open our eyes and our hearts to have your heart for the world around us. God, we thank you for the series. We know it's gonna do a deep and profound work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, come on, can we thank God for just his word today? Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.